Hey everyone, welcome to Kingdom Now Hollywood. This is Dr. Daniel Sherstead. The Word of God states very clearly, without any kind of prophetic vision or insight, it is literally impossible for you to step into your future. This broadcast will give you the prophetic insight and revelation that you're going to need to explore and apprehend your kingdom promise. Hey, we got some exciting news. Kingdom Now Hollywood is launching a live prophetic ministry right in the heart of Hollywood on September 19th, 2020. You're not going to want to miss this. Visit our website, www.danshirstedministries.com for updates. Let's get excited. The kingdom of God is in Hollywood now. This afternoon, I spent several hours praying and just waiting upon the Lord, and I heard him just say to me multiple times, uh, that, that phrase, spirit of breakthrough, God wanted to do breakthroughs uh, in our lives, that this is really a season. We're going to step into a season where we're going to see one breakthrough after another breakthrough after another breakthrough. And I know that everything in the natural would scream and shout that, um, that, that the, the opposite is happening, but that's, uh, that's when God loves to do that. He loves to move. Uh, I look at I always say it like this, the uh, the Lord loves to allow the enemy to go first, and then he trumps the enemy every single time, and so he just loves, he's just setting him up. So what I'm, before I just release this kind of a prophetic word that the, the Lord shared with me on, uh, on May 4th at 2.07 in the afternoon concerning uh, just the, the season that we're in here, I just want to do with this, uh, share a little few, few thoughts here from the book of Hebrews, just to stir our faith because... What I've come to realize after 33 years of full-time ministry that uh, when, when you receive a prophetic word, it does, it's not, it's just, sometimes we, we just think that it's just going to happen by, by accident or it's just going to happen no matter what we do. But the Bible is very clear when it says that um, the, the children of Israel did not inherit the promised land because they did not mix faith with the promise. So God spoke a prophetic promise concerning their future. And they did not, that generation did not inherit that future because they did not mix faith with that. So you, uh, so I've said this before that a lot of times Christians get caught up into collecting prophetic words like other people collect stamps and, uh, and so they never really act upon it. And therefore, they never see it manifest in their life. And then they want to either throw the person who gave them the word or the Holy Spirit or God under the bus and just say, well, I guess it wasn't the will of God when many times it was the will of God, but you just didn't mix any faith, faith without works. So if you never act upon the word, if you never put any practical feet to the word, it's not going to happen. So you just can't sit back in your lounge chair at home and expect it just to come and slap you upside the head and fall out of heaven. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and so we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And so it's so important that we, we understand. So I just want to, let me just read that verse that my wife read in verse 35 there, Hebrews 10. So do not lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. It takes bold, courageous faith, come on now, to see the reward of that faith. There's a reward tied to your faith. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will, and then, and then, and only then, 
will you receive the promise in fullness in your life. So let me just stop right there, make a, a, a few comments. You need, he says there, the strength of endurance. See, faith, come on now, mixed with the promise brings an outcome, but faith and endurance with the promise brings the outcome and it builds character on the inside of you. And that's what your father is looking for. He's looking for a company of believers who have the kind of character that Jesus has. And so sometimes uh, he answers our prayers immediately. And those are my favorite ones right there. Come on, that's my favorite prayer right there when I see the manifestation take place. But there are times when in my experience uh, in my journey over these last many, many years um, where it takes endurance. And so uh, in that endurance, the character of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is cultivated and built into us. And so you need strength. You need strong, bold, courageous faith, he says, so that you can reveal the poetry of God's will. I love that phrase right there because uh, I know other translations that say after you have done the will of God. But the word for do in the actual uh, Greek language is the same exact word for poem or poetry. So he says that there is a, a, after you have revealed the poetry of my will. So what he's saying there is that there is a rhythm to my will. That's why in the, um, in the message translations in Matthew chapter 11, when he says, all of you that are weary and heavy laden, come unto me, and I'm, uh, I'm going to give you some rest. You're going to yoke up with me. And he says, I'm going to show you or teach you the rhythms of my grace. There's a rhythm to the grace of God. There's a rhythm to His empowerment. There's a cadence to His will. There's a poetry or there's a beauty. My, my daughter, um, Sarah, right here, has an unusual, as far as I'm concerned, and, I, and I've, I've read a lot of poems and listened to a lot of different people write poems, but my, my daughter has an uncommon ability to write beautiful, deep, um, just beautiful poems you have to read them multiple times and, and just to really understand the depth of, of what's in there. And so when God uses the word poem or poetry as it relates to his will, he said, there's a depth to my will. There's more to it than what you see on the surface. I'm always doing more than what you perceive. He says, I'm, doing, I'm always doing a deep work. I'm doing a beautiful work on the inside of us. And there's a, just a rhythm to it. There's a cadence to it. So we have to learn to hear his voice and walk in his cadence so that we can reveal. So we can reveal the beauty. There's a beauty to his will. There's a beauty to his will. And so when we uh, are able to reveal that in, through strength of faith and endurance, he says, then and only then will you begin to receive the fullness of that which I have prophetically declared over your life. Now here in verse 38, he says, and he also says, my righteous ones will live from my faith. In uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, very familiar passage of Scripture when Jesus is speaking to the fig tree and then he's, he says, if you want to speak to this mountain and cast it into the sea, you're going to have to have the actual faith of God. Again, in the original language, it does not say have faith in God. It literally reads like this. You must have the continual, the actual verb tense in the Greek language is this. You must have an ongoing, continual, constant faith of God himself. You can't move mountains. 
You can't see miracles take place. That's why a lot of times we, in the teaching of faith, we get caught up in taking faith and lifting it up like an idol, and we end up having faith in our faith instead of being in His presence because faith comes by hearing a word and a word that comes from Christ's presence. And so if you're not in His presence, you're not going to hear His word because His word comes with His presence and His word carries His faith. And so he says, my righteous ones will live by my faith. It's so important that we understand that. That's why I always like to, to use that illustration or that story uh, when, when Jesus is coming off the mountain of transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And um, so there, there is, uh, so we got uh, nine other uh, disciples that were down at the bottom of the mountain. And it says that when they came down after that incredible experience and being in the manifest, tangible, just glory of God there, hearing God's Father, His Father's voice again, and uh, Peter, James, and John, their life was just transformed there. And they come down, and there's a, there's a father there that has a son who has a, a demon, and, uh, and this demon has been trying to kill this boy, this young man, for since he was a boy, and casting him into the fire, casting him into the water. And this man says to Jesus, this father says to Jesus, listen, I brought my son to all nine of your other disciples, and they all prayed for him, and nothing happened. Now, you got to understand that up to this point, the disciples have already gone out and they've already, he's already delegated his authority, given them power to heal every sickness. He said, go and declare that the kingdom of my father is here now on the earth. And then demonstrate that the kingdom is here with authority and dominion by healing every sick person that you come in contact with. Come on now, driving every demon out, raising people from the dead, he says, so that people can see you in a tangible way that the kingdom of God. Jesus put it like this in Luke chapter 11. He said, when I can out a demon he says you can know that the kingdom of God comes why is that because when when he drives out the kingdom of darkness there has, something has to take its place and it's the kingdom of light he says replaces the kingdom of darkness in that particular situation and you know now in that arena right there in that person's life in that vicinity the kingdom has been established and so when we pray that prayer our father praying his kingdom to come his will to be done um, it's our father that kingdom his kingdom and um, coming and it's being established and so when the bible says that we need to seek his kingdom first and all of this other stuff will be added unto us he's not when he's not just talking about just seeking god he's talking to seek the kingdom for that particular situation so if you come across somebody in your, that, that comes into your life that is dealing or suffering or is in a cycle of like a spirit of poverty, they need the kingdom, come on now, the good news of the kingdom to break that cycle off of their life. <clears throat> and so, that, uh, so the fullness of God's blessing and provision can take place in their life. And so when that spirit of poverty is broken, you know the kingdom has come. And so if somebody needs healing, if they need a miracle in their physical body, uh, that's what you need to do. You need to bring, you need to seek the kingdom first. Come on now. Seek the kingdom and that part of the kingdom, you need to bring it into that situation 
and see it manifest. Come on now. Is anybody listening to me? Come on now. You're all, come on. I don't like preaching in Presbyterian churches. Come on now. This is, come on. I got to hear you. Talk back to me. Come on now. Come on. Say amen every 30 minutes or so. Come on now. <laughs> so I know you're out there. And uh, so, come on. We're preaching. Come on. We're releasing the kingdom of God. And so you can't just say, well, uh, you know, I, I pray, I, you know, seek the kingdom of God. I'm seeking his kingdom first. All this other stuff. Come on, no, don't. When you seek the other stuff, you miss both. You miss the kingdom or the manifestation of that part of the kingdom that you need in your particular area of your life, and then you, you miss out on the other stuff that's going to be added. So when you seek the, the stuff that's going to be added, uh, you miss only you miss out on that and you miss out on being in his presence because the kingdom manifests out of his presence. And so it has to become up and out of you and flow through you. And that has to be like an overflow of your own personal relationship. My dad, I'm a fourth generational pastor. My dad taught me. He's been preaching for 60 years now. My dad taught me since I was a little boy. Every time you minister the kingdom of God, it's got to flow out of your own personal relationship. Come on, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you've got to be able to seek him. Come on now. And his kingdom, everything. Come on. And his presence, right? Come on now. And so God wants his kingdom to manifest. He wants, come on now, your prayers to be answered. He said, my father gets glory. He gets honor. He said, in that day, you will ask anything that you desire, okay, as it relates to the calling upon your life. Let me just qualify that because a lot of times we just ask for things and it's not. Because I, I know right now that God's not going to answer any prayer of mine that will undermine His purpose for me being here on the planet. And, and, uh, and I've also noticed that He will answer the prayers of the unbeliever before He answers the prayers of carnal believers. Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, and the reason is, is because when he answers the prayer of an unbeliever, he uses that mm, to woo their hearts to him. And when, but when he answers the carnal desires or the carnal fleshly prayers of a believer, what happens is he's actually emphasizing that and literally mm, in the answering of that prayer is literally building a wall that will separate his heart from your heart. And so he's not going to do that. So we've got to. That's why I just preached a message last week talking about really understanding what it really means to abide in the vine. Come on now, abide in his presence and his presence abiding in you and then letting his words find a resting place, a resting, a safe place on the inside and then literally taking those words. Come on now, those words become part of the very fabric of your being. He says when that takes place, there's going to be a natural thing where God's desires are going to be your desires. And so I, I want to just say this because I just feel the Holy Spirit wants me to say this, this part here. When that whole thing about there's two words in the in the Bible for the will of God. One of them is the clad iron mm, will of God, uh, where God declares something and it doesn't matter what takes place, it's going to take place. Like he says, I'm going to return for my bride. Okay, that's going to take place. Whether you believe that or not, 
it's still going to happen. Whether you pray for it or not, it's still going to happen. Come on, whether you, you talk against it, it's still going to happen. So that part of God's will, it's going to happen no matter if nobody believes it or, come on, nobody prays for it, it's going to take place. But there's another word for the will of God, and when he says to pray this prayer, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is not the ironclad will of God. That word for will is wish, dream, or desire. And so he says, I need you to pray that the desires, the wishes, and the dreams of my Father will become your dreams, will become your wishes, will become your desires. And that only happens by spending time in His presence. Come on now. Spending time in His presence. And the reason I'm bringing this whole story up is because here all of them, they had seen miracles take place. They were the most experienced as it relates to healings and miracles and casting out demons besides these nine disciples besides Jesus himself. So they were stunned when it didn't happen. That's why they took Jesus aside. They were stunned because they had never, ever seen it not happen. And so when Jesus says, why could not it happen? Why? First of all, let me just make this comment. Notice Jesus did not say, okay, what, what was that? What was that? These nine guys over here prayed for the demon to be cast out of your son, and it didn't happen. Notice Jesus did not say, oh, I guess it must not be the will of my father for that demon to come out of your son. Come on now, because nine people already prayed. Come on now. You know how many times I've heard believers say that? Come on now. Well, pastor, I just, you know, I, I'm just come to the place where I believe that it must not be the will of God for me to be healed and uh, or this to take place in my life because, you know, I've had seven different people, including some real generals in the faith, and then they named some real famous people pray for me. And I was like, well, well, if God really wanted to do it, he should have done it by now kind of thing. He would have done it with certain men. If Benny Hinn prayed for me. Woo, it should have happened then, right? But even Benny Hinn prayed for me. Come on, and it still didn't happen. So it must not be the will of God. And so Jesus never said anything like that. Not one time. Remember now, Jesus is perfect theology. Any belief that you have that does not line up with the life and the words, come on, and of, the, of Jesus that you find in the four Gospels, you have very good reason to question it. Because it is not biblical. It is not the ministry of Jesus. It is not. Acts 10.38 says that Jesus went about only doing good things. Come on now. And healing every single person that was oppressed of the devil. By doing that, he revealed the heart of his father. And said, now I came. Now he didn't come. Him doing signs and wonders and miracles was not to demonstrate how powerful God was. God had already established that he's a powerful. He is the all-powerful. God he already established that in the Old Testament so Jesus did not need to do that Jesus didn't come to display how powerful his father was everyone knew that he was a God that was powerful come on now he came to illustrate what one human man could do who was in right relationship with God the Father that's the difference they had never seen that before. Come on now. Jesus came and literally, yes, he's, he literally laid aside all of his Godhead powers. And even though he still maintained, come on now, he still maintained where he was God, he 
chose of his own free will to live in a human body, come on, and to walk with the limitations of a human person under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in right relationship with his Father and to show and to display and to mentor for us that we could do this same exact thing. Come on now. So, I never allow any kind of words when people say, well, I, you know, I had this many people pray for me and the miracle didn't place. Well, I said, we're going to pray one more time. Come on now. We're going to believe one more time. We're going to stand our ground one more time. Come on. Jesus said about that widow who came to the judge. You remember that story? And she kept on coming 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 and she kept on coming. Come on now. And it says, even though the judge did not believe in God and he literally had, he had no compassion over people. In fact, he literally, he, 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 the Bible says he literally disdained people, humans, and yet he says, I'm going to do this for this widow here because I feel like, first of all, she is so annoying, and I feel like if I don't do it, she's literally going to choke me. In the Greek language, she's going to choke me to death. So, I mean, she was pursuing after him. I mean, chasing him down, leaving the courthouse, following him to the house. I mean, really, come on now. She refused to give up, back up, let up, or shut up, and she just kept on coming. Come on, until she got what she believed was hers. Come on now. And so Jesus said, he said, listen now, look at this lady. Come on, she got what she wanted because she did not give up. Because he said, you need to pray and never faint, never give up right and so he says to them he says now how much more will your loving heavenly father who loves you with a perfect love how much more will he answer you speedily come on now when you come to your father with that kind of tenacious come on bold courageous strong enduring faith that refuses to give up no matter what it looks like come on now no matter what it looks like it man if the and Jesus is trying to communicate in this story that we we give up way too easy because we were so moved by circumstances and and he says no 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 he says when my father when jesus returns this is um, will he find come on now strong faith in the earth from his sons and his daughters he, come on now that's what he's going to be looking for and so it's so important. In fact, in that story when Jesus in Matthew chapter Luke 11, when he's talking about, you know, this praying this prayer, and then he tells the story about um, the, uh, the man who uh, had some, some company come at midnight, and he said he went to his friend's house, and he's knocking on the door, and, uh, and he says to him, he said, listen, I got some people that came and uh, we've, uh, I don't have any food or th anything to give to them. Can you give me something? And, uh, and he says to him, listen, we've already, everybody's laid down. Everybody's in bed. We're not going to get up and answer the door. And we're not going to get, we're not going to do that. And Jesus says <clears throat> that this man is going to eventually get up and he's going to give his friend everything that he wants but he's not going to give it to him because he's his friend. He's going to give it to him because of his shameless persistence and keep on coming. 
I want us to know the distinction there because a lot of times we'll sing the song, I am the friend of God, and we think because we sang the song that we're actually the friend of God kind of thing. And then we, then we think that God's just going to automatically just drop everything out of heaven and start manifesting his prophetic promises over our life because we're, he calls us his friends now. No, no, no. Jesus said, no, no, no. No, it's going to be because I have some sons and daughters that truly understand what it means to shamelessly be persistent in their faith. Come on. Bold, strong, confident, courageous faith. Do not cast it away. Fling it away because there is a reward that's tied to your faith. Come on now. And the reward is seeing that what you are praying for and believing for manifest and break through in your life. Come on now. So he says that that needs to take place. So we're not going to, he said, we're going to live by the faith of God. So here's the other thought that I want to bring up. Jesus said, when they came to him and said, listen, we are perplexed. We wanted, we, we tried. We don't understand why it did not take place. Okay. I just want to encourage us there. Notice they did not just sit back and say, well, I don't understand. Well, it didn't happen. Must not be the will of the Lord. No. They came and said, no, 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 no. We prayed. We believed. Why didn't it take place? They took Jesus aside. And, they, and Jesus said, well, this demon comes out by prayer and fasting. And yet Jesus did not pray and he did not fast. And yet he was able to cast the demon out. So, He's not saying that you need to take six days and go pray and fast and let the person who has a demon suffer for another six days. That's not what he's saying there. What he's saying there is you need to live a lifestyle. The Bible says that Jesus spent so much time in the place of prayer. Come on, before, without anybody there, it says that he would wake up many times, many times, if not every single day before the sun even rose, he would go get, a, get aside by himself and he would spend hours with his father and he would break into the realm of heaven all by himself. Come on, so that when he went out and just lived life, no matter what showed up and what presented itself or who presented themselves before him, he was in a place, come on now, to release, come on, and declare words so that heaven could break into the earth realm. It's called a lifestyle. Come on now, it's not, not talking about. So, uh, again, this bold, courageous faith. That kind of faith, the faith of God, my righteous ones will live by my faith, comes from a lifestyle of you breaking in from earth into the heaven come on now so that when you go out tomorrow the next day wherever you may be and something is presented before you that you can release the kingdom of god into that situation and know that something's going to take place that you're not just speaking words come on now they that you're speaking words that are directed by the holy spirit and they carry his anointing Come on, and nothing happens in the kingdom until somebody speaks something, until somebody reveals something. And it says now in John chapter 16, when Jesus is 
uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, he says to him, now listen now, uh, I've said a lot of things for you, most of it you do not understand, but listen now, the Holy Spirit is going to come, he's another, he's a comforter, he's going to come, he's going to be just like me, and he's going to take everything that belongs to me, everything that the Father has given to me, has, has been given unto me now. Let me say it again. Everything that the Father has has now been given unto me, and the Holy Spirit is going to come into your life and take everything that I have, and He's going to give it unto you. He says, and He's going to do that by declaring it and decreeing it into your life. And so when we read that scripture in John, I think it's 16, verse 15, when he says that, when he said the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to declare everything that's mine to you, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit's going to come to you and start talking to you and just kind of rattling off everything that belongs to Jesus or just kind of showing off or kind of showing off Jesus, how much Jesus owns and everything. No, he's saying that, come on now, that my faith Come on now, my hope, my peace, my joy, my blessing, my favor, my provision, my healing, my deliverance, my breakthrough, everything that I have inherited from my Father. Come on now, that's who I am. He said it belongs to me, and now the Holy Spirit is going to live and dwell. He's going to rise up, and He's going to begin to declare to you, because that which, come on now, I have is literally supernatural actually translated or imparted by my words my words carry my kingdom come on now my words transfer everything that i have so if you cannot hear his voice you cannot receive what he has Come on, are you, are you listening to me? And so that's why it's so important that we spend time in His presence and you hear His voice because when the Holy Spirit says, and that which Jesus has, you cannot operate with His kind of authority and dominion uh, until you have heard the Holy Spirit quicken it to you. Come on now. And they, until that happens. So when He speaks that word, He's literally transferring that which Jesus has to you and saying now, when you hear that, the faith for or to use what Jesus possesses now becomes yours and you can now move forward with great confidence. But if you can't hear his voice, come on now, if you're not spending time in his presence, this, this doesn't happen again. This does not happen by accident. It happens by using intentional faith. And, uh, and accessing it that way. And so it's so important that we do that. So then he goes on and he says here in verse uh, 1 of chapter 11, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the very foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove that which is still unseen. In the Amplified Bible it says that faith literally perceives something as real that your five natural senses are perceiving are not real. So I refer to as faith as a sixth sense that God gives his sons and daughters to be able to perceive something that your five natural senses. And so you're going to have to make a decision. If you're really going to walk by faith, come on now, strong, enduring, come on, bold, courageous faith, you're going to have to make a decision. There are going to be times when your five natural senses are screaming, no, it's not going to happen. No, it's not real. But your sixth sense, faith, is saying, yes, it is real. And you're going to have to make a decision. What's going, what are you going to believe or what's going to move you? 
Come on now. I always illustrate it like this, and I, I think years ago, I might, have, uh, I might have said this, but I love this illustration. Years ago, um, probably like 20 years ago, uh, I came home, and my wife was cooking something. And, uh, and so I could, I could, as soon as I walked into the house, I smelt something. Have you ever walked in the house and you could smell something is cooking? And let me tell you something. I, I love to eat. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, so uh, great joy comes to my heart when I smell something beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Great joy, great joy. And, uh, and so, uh, so I smelt something, but okay, I couldn't see anything. Okay, I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't touch anything. And I couldn't taste anything. So four natural senses were telling me that it does not exist. But my one natural sense of smell was telling me it does exist. So I made a choice of my own free will to ignore my four other natural senses that was telling me it does not exist, and I put some faith in my one natural sense called smell, and when I did that, it moved me come on someone now i'm moving now now i'm walking come on now come on faith come on we walk by faith come on now not by what we see with our five natural senses and so as i began to move okay and i got closer what happens is now i could begin to hear something come on now and the more i began to get closer to it now i could be able to be able to see something as i moved into the kitchen and the closer i got now i got closer to the stove now i could begin to reach out and touch something and then eventually i was able to reach out and actually taste it so then all five of my senses came into agreement but i had to make a decision to ignore those four and believe in my one natural sense of smell that moved me to something come on now and a lot of times christians they are so moved by what they see come on now they're moved by their five natural senses what they're perceiving what they're looking at what they're feeling what they're experiencing that even though the lord is giving them a word it literally they don't move they don't move there's no there's no movement whatsoever and so you got to begin to move towards you can't just be able to say what you have come on now and it's like you've got to be able to walk this thing out it's like in the book of ephesians at chapter one chapter two and chapter three they all three of those chapters talk about who we are in christ jesus that we're seated with christ in heavenly places all three of those chapters talk about who we are as sons and daughters of God, our position in Christ Jesus, and He's done everything, and then that we can rest in that place, right? So all three chapters are like that. So here's what happens is a lot of times people just stop right there, and they, they don't move. They don't do anything. Well, that's mine. Come on now. But chapter 4 says that you have to walk worthy of the call that's upon your life. So you've got to begin to walk that out. So if you never walk it out, you're never going to experience it. It's like the children of Israel. Come on now, God gave them all of the promised land. Come on, He gave them all the, the land of promises. Okay, so they stood on top of the mountain and they overlooked the promised land. But then just overlooking at it and saying, that, oh, the promised land is mine, does not get you the promised land. They had to actually walk into the promised land come on now 
and then they had to actually fight for it. Chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians talk about walking worthy of that which has been given to you positionally. Come on now, in Christ Jesus, but you have got to walk that thing out. Are you listening to me? Because a lot of Christians, they, they take the, the, the message uh, of grace to an extreme and say, man, I can, man, this is who I am in Christ. Jesus Christ has done it all for me. And I can just live any old way I want to and do whatever I want to. And it's just going to automatically happen in my life. It does not work that way, folks. That is taking a teaching to an extreme. Come on. And every time you do that, you end up, whatever you're looking for or talking about, you end up never even experiencing that. That's what takes place. And so it's so important that we understand, yes, the very foundation is understanding who you are in Christ, under resting in that, resting in the work of Calvary, resting that you're in Christ Jesus, that you're seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus, that you have ascended when he ascended, you were glorified when he was glorified. Come on. And you're walking this thing out now. And then chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians says, you got to fight for this thing. Come on now. You got to go to battle for this thing. This thing is not going to take place by accident. You got to have to, just like the children of Israel, they had to walk across the Jordan River and they had to go into it. Come on now, and they had to fight for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you can't. It's not. It's not good enough to stand at the top of the mountain and confess everything that you have. Come on now, I know Christians, man, they can recite every promise, everything they got in Christ Jesus, but they, they experience very little bit. It's like people that are experienced, the, very, very wealthy people, but they're cash poor. Because they, all of their money is being sucked up by all of their businesses or whatever they own, and everything is in the businesses, and they're cash poor. They, they own, come on now, on paper, come on, in the banks, but they have very little in their hand. It's one thing to have something in your account. It's actually another thing to actually have it in your hand to use it. And a lot of Christians, they know what's in their spiritual bank account, and they can quote it all day long, but they, they actually experience very little of it because they never actually walk it out and then fight for it. Come on now. And so that's what's so important that you begin to do that. That's what I'm talking about right here. Faith, come on now, pursues after that. So the, what the Holy Spirit reveals to you, faith can only explore and apprehend that which the Holy Spirit reveals to you. Why? Because faith doesn't come unless there's a revelation. That's why Joshua could not see, come on, could not possess the promised land until he could see it. He had a revelation. He said, the Lord, he met the Lord, and, the, and he said, Lord, he said, Joshua, take your feet off. You're on holy ground. And then he said, I need you to see, come on, that, that Jericho has been already been given into your hands. Joshua, you need to see it. Before you say another word to me or to the people of God, come on, before you, come on, go to battle, he said, you need to see that it's already yours. You need to hear my word, come on now, bringing a revelation concerning what belongs to you, and then after you do that, his word carries his faith that gives you the courage to go and explore and apprehend, come on now, that which has already been revealed to you. So you've got to be able to, it all works together. Come on now. 
Come on, everything. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit's in you, the entire kingdom comes. Come on now. The presence of God, all of the presence of your Father comes, and it's all on the inside of you. So it isn't us trying to manipulate this or trying to, trying to force it to happen. It is us understanding by way of revelation what has already been given to us and then walking it out come on now and the journey is all about more effectively walking out that which has already been given to us i preached a message years ago entitled becoming what we already have become <laughs> uh, because you, you cannot become something until you see that you're already that Come on now. The Apostle Paul says, I'm trying to apprehend that which I've already been apprehended for. So he saw what he was apprehended for. And then by virtue of that revelation, now he it gives him the courage and the faith to forget everything in his past, to press forward with an absolute, bold, strong, courageous to apprehend that which I was apprehended for. So, but if you can't see that, come on, you will never apprehend what the Lord wants you to experience in your life. So it's so important that we begin to understand that. Now, go with me to the, to the, to the Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9. I'm going to read these, this verse, verse 12 here out of the, uh, the Amplified Bible. This is the, the scripture that the Holy Spirit quickened to me on, the, um, on May 4th at 2, 207. It says this, out of the Amplified, return to the stronghold of security and prosperity, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare unto you that I am going to restore double, come on, your prosperity back unto you. Uh, let me just say that again. Return to the stronghold. Return to the stronghold. This is not a demonic stronghold. This is a stronghold like in the days, uh, Bible days, when kings would build castles and strongholds into mountains. And when they would be attacked by their enemy, um, they would, um, everybody would run to the stronghold. And then they would shut the gates. They would return to the stronghold. Uh, Jesus put it like this. He said that the, the gates, come on now. He said that you are the ecclesia. You are, I am building an ecclesia, a legislative assembly. That's what the word ecclesia, again, let me remind you of that. It does not mean the word ecclesia is a word in the Greek language that was only used within the context of a legal political forum. It was never used within the, in the context of a religious system. So when Jesus intentionally, come on, chose the word ecclesia to describe what he was about to build, he was not saying, I'm about to build another religious system called Christianity. I promise you, the last thing that was on the mind of Jesus when he said, I'm going to build my ecclesia, was some kind of religious system or even some kind of religious church. We think of it that way today in our culture, but in the culture of Jesus, they understood what he was saying. He was saying he was going to build a legislative assembly, come on now, that felt a calling to be a part of that legislative assembly. And legislative assemblies, they decree what's going to be lawful or what's not going to be lawful for a municipality, for a town, for a village, for a state, for a country. 
And he said, I want to raise up a company of believers in these last days that will be my legislative assembly. Come on now. That will release my government. Come on now. And the govern my government that runs my nation called the kingdom. Come on. There's an actual nation called the kingdom of heaven that has an actual physical government, he says. And that government is supposed to be literally dispensed here on the earth through my legislative assembly. That's why in the next phrase he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Or, and whatever you bind on this earth will be bound, or whatever you loose on this earth will be loosed. He's talking about, again, this legislative assembly understanding, come on now, what happens in the kingdom up there, bringing his kingdom to the earth, and releasing the kingdom of God through legislative decrees. Mm -hmm, yes. Oh, come on now. I hope you're getting this here tonight. I know I've said a few of these things in the past, but I just feel the Holy Spirit want me to remind us because it's so important. And, and again, I'm, I know some of you know that this is a, the Hebrew war, the Hebrew year, and it's called the, the year of the mouth. Come on now. And the year where we're supposed to be able declaring and decreeing the word of the Lord. It's actually the decade of the, the decade of the mouth. Come on. And this next decade is all about the mouth and releasing the word of the Lord. Come on now. And fight, taking the word of God. And fighting over. That's why he says here, let me just read this scripture here real quick for you. In 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1, verse 18 and 19, it says, Timothy, my son, I'm entrusting to you with this responsibility. I'm entrusting to you, Timothy, this responsibility. This is your responsibility, Timothy, in keeping with the very first prophetic words that were spoken over your life, Timothy and now are in the process of being fulfilled in this great work of ministry, in keeping with the prophecies spoken over you, Timothy, with the encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith. Oh, that's powerful right there. So he's saying, Timothy, it is your responsibility. It is not God's responsibility. It's not my responsibility as your apostolic father. It's your responsibility to take those prophetic words that I've spoken over you, Timothy, concerning your ministry, the call, and your future. Come on now. And take them and literally, come on, hide them in your heart. Come on now, fine. Keep them in a safe place in your heart like Mary did. She took the words of the shepherd, the angel. Come on now. And the, the wise man and, 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 and uh, the prophetess Anna. All of these are, uh, and, and Simon there in the temple, Simeon in the, in the temple. And she took all of these words and she put them in her heart and she pondered them. And she hid them. And she would take them out and she would look at them and she would meditate upon them. And then she would find and put them back into the vault right there so he says here to timothy you need to take the prophetic words spoken over your life you need to hide them put them in a safe place view them as something extremely valuable okay because there's a process come on there's a process that you have to work through because in this process faith and endurance causes you to reveal the poetry of god's will and after you have done that then you will receive the fullness of that promise in your life so that happens by taking the prophetic words spoken over your life and declaring them over and over and over and over and over them, using them like a weapon.
weapon. Come on now. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says, we need to take the sword that the Holy Spirit wields, which is the Word of God. Take the sword, which is the Word. That word there is rhema, not logos. It says the Word of the Lord that the Holy Spirit yields, the sword that He yields, is a rhema word. Rhema, a spoken word of God. And that word there, sword, is the word makaira, which means I got one. I actually have one. I was going to bring it down here tonight. But I, it's a small little sword like about this big. I actually have one, an actual makaira sword. And uh, somebody gave it to me. And uh, so I actually have it up there in my office there. And so it's a sword that the Roman soldiers would, uh, they would literally, um, they would literally have and uh, they would use it in battle in close hand-to-hand combat. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wicked diabolical spirits in high places. That word wrestle is translated hand-to-hand combat. It is not lobbing, come on now, scud missiles from 3,000 miles away. Come on, are you listening to me? He's talking about hand-to-hand combat. He said, so the sword, the Machaira sword, this is what the Roman soldiers would use in hand-to-hand combat. They didn't use those big swords. They used those in parades. Come on now. Uh, those were for looks. They weren't for real battle. In hand-to-hand pack, they would pull out this Machaira sword, and it had, it was literally curved on the end, and literally they would thrust it into the side of their opponent there and uh yes that's it thank you thanks this is right here this is a makaira sword right here right here this is what it it would look like something just like this and uh, they would literally carry a sword like this and they would pull that thing out and it would be quick and they literally uh sometimes they would have jagged ends on the and they would thrust it and then they would turn it and it would grab a hold of their innards and they would rip their innards out and they would drop dead instantaneously and it's, I know it's a violent picture, but this is the picture that the, the Apostle Paul is trying to, to relay to us that the sword that the Holy Spirit wields, he will allow you to use his sword. It's his sword, not your sword. It's his sword. He said, I will allow you to use my sword. My sword is a rhema. Come on now. A sharp, quick sword word so it has to be spoken a spoken word a right now fresh rhema word come on what you heard the lord say to you last week or last month is not what he's talking about here you just quoting a scripture here come on now or just memorizing something but it hasn't been quickened to you come on it hasn't been declared to you the holy spirit john 16 15 will come to you and declare to you what i possess what i got from my father and when he declares it to you there will be a supernatural transition that takes place and now that which um, belongs to me now you it belongs to you and you can use it come on now because i have released it through a rhema word come on now the rhema word releases that which jesus possesses to you and now he says in battle i give you a rhema word which now becomes my smachira sword that it only can be used in hand-to-hand combat So that means that you're going to have to be strong and courageous because you've got to the enemy. When the enemy is coming closer and closer and closer, and it seems like it's overwhelming, what the enemy is, what God is doing, the Holy Spirit is doing, is setting the enemy up. Come on now. 
Oh, no. Oh, my God. Jesus, help me. The devil's all over me kind of thing. No, 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 no. You need to realize that when he's getting that close and he's in your face, come on now. You got to realize that the Holy Spirit has sent him up for you to actually receive a rhema word from the Lord. Come on. Which becomes the Machira sword to thrust into him a sharp, two-edged, quick sword. Come on now. That they pull out of nowhere. And literally drop their enemies. Now the other thing that the Roman soldiers would use the Machira sword for was. Is when they, the shield of faith. Come on, that they, the shield, their, their shield that they would hold up. When arrows, when the fiery arrows would get through their shield of faith. For whatever reason, if they weren't looking, they dropped their shield. Sometimes arrows get through and they literally are pierced. So what they had to do is is they would take the Makara sword, this sharp little, they would pull it out, and they would, because most arrows were poison-tipped. And so, these arrows that would come, if you allow the arrow to stay in you any length of time, the longer it's in you, the more the poison spreads throughout your system. And so the enemy loves, come on now, We've all experienced it. I've experienced. There have been times in my life where I've allowed the shield of faith to drop. Come on now. And the arrows of the enemy have gotten through to me. And I, so what do I got to do? Well, I need a word from the Lord. That's what I need. I need a rhema word from the Lord. And then I begin to take that rhema word, which is the little Machira sword, and I dig that arrow out of me. Come on now. I dig it out. I dig it out. I dig it out. Come on now. I don't let it sit there. I don't let it fester. I don't let infection grow. Come on now. So it's so important. The enemy loves to bring arrows. Come on now. Of bitterness. Come on now. He loves to bring arrows. Come on now. Uh, to make you feel like you're not worthy of anything. Or that the Lord is not using you. That's a big one right there. We have the Lord. We have the Lord. We have the, the Lord ain't going to use. The enemy. Look at you. Look at you. Oh my goodness. You think the Lord's going to use you? Look at you. We've been watching you. Come on now. All week long. We've seen how many times you you missed the mark this week. You can't possibly believe that the Lord actually wants to use you, right, kind of thing. And you're like, yeah, that's right. Man, my days of being used by the Lord are over. It's not going to happen, kind of thing. Before you know it, come on, you believe that lie. Come on now, and come on now. Every time you believe the lie, you empower the liar in your life, and you give power to him, and that give power to that arrow in your life. Come on, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he prophesied in the last days that we're living, he said, the love of the of many and that word love is agape love come on now agape the agape love of my people he's not talking to unbelievers he's talking to because only believers can experience the agape come on have the agape love he says when you come to the lord that his love has been shed abroad in your heart he says those who have received this agape love he said that love will wax cold in the last days with many believers for me and for their father their further believers other believers because number one because of the spirit of iniquity and because of the spirit of offense will run rampant in the last days and so when you feel come on now that air of offense come on take place and that thing for so whatever the reason is the come on now we've all experienced that just, just look straight ahead. Nobody knows I'll talk. I'll be talking about you tonight. Come on now. We've all had that experience where that's, that arrow of offense has hit us and we can make the decision right there. We can literally begin to literally harbor that thing, 
literally talk about it. Come on now. Began to just, man, oh yeah, that's right. And the book of Hebrews says, and, and <clears throat> he says that when that takes place, it literally what happens is a root of bitterness is allowed to get in you and then it defiles you and everybody around you. Come on now. And so it's so important that we understand that, that this whole thing about hearing his word. Come on now. Returning, again, hearing his word, then declaring his word. Come on now. No, 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 no. I am going to be used to the Lord. Come on now. I am chosen by God. I am loved by God. I am in Christ Jesus. My father looks at me like he looks at Christ. He thinks about me like he thinks about Christ. He feels towards me like he feels about Christ because me and Christ are one. Come on now. And so when I, my life is literally hid in Christ Jesus. So when the father, that's why, come on now. That's why he, he come on, when we miss the mark, that's why he doesn't like flip out and get angry and say, oh my God, he's coming down with the holy sledgehammer he's gonna get you kind of thing no he doesn't do that because first of all listen he's already been he's already in your future god doesn't live in time he lives in the past present and the future all at the same time come on now so he's in the future already and he sees what you look like in the future come on now he's looking at he's relating to you right now the way he sees you in the future so that's why he doesn't get nervous in the service when you blow it come on somebody he doesn't he doesn't get mad he don't freak out say oh my god father what are we gonna do look they really screwed it up now let's go to plan b and plan c no he don't got plan b or plan c he only has one plan for your life and listen when come on now when he somebody once said come on now when he called you come on and spoke over your life a destiny he factored in all of your craziness come on all of your mistakes come on now all the things that you're gonna do he factored it all in and said I you're still going to be great come on you're still going to accomplish something and so you got to take the word of God and begin to speak it back to the enemy come on now and begin he is the word Satan means the accuser that's what he is he is the voice of an accuser that comes to accuse us night and day but if you don't know come on now who you are in Christ Jesus you'll sit there feel sorry for yourself oh yeah and before you know it weeks turn into months months turn into years and you're doing very little for the kingdom of god See, if he can't kill us physically he'll just keep us inactive come on now not really bringing the kingdom to the earth and so it's so important that we really understand what i'm talking about here so when he says that we need to return to the stronghold the stronghold is the ecclesia i will build my legislative assembly and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail come on you are a living stone come on now fitted together to build a stronghold come on the ecclesia is the stronghold and he said the gates of hell cannot prevail he cannot so that's why he said the first thing that we got to do come on like never before in these last days in this time especially in this particular season i heard the holy say that he said, you tell my people, it's time for them to return back to the stronghold. Come on now, you run back to that place of safety. You understanding, that, that means understanding the secret place, understanding who you are in Christ Jesus, understanding that everything that Jesus possesses has now been given unto you. Come on now, so stay in that presence. Stay, come on now, the presence of God. Everything that Jesus has is, is literally infiltrated with the very presence of heaven itself. 
And so as we begin to receive that, and it literally, come on now, becomes so real to us, we begin to literally now begin to walk it out without even trying. Come on, I got a peach tree, two lemon trees, and a grapevine in the backyard here. In fact, there's a whole basket full of peaches right there, right off the super mega sweet. If you want some after the service, go ahead and take some. And... Um, but my point is, I have never one time heard the pe- the, that peach tree, like, scream. It's not grunting. It's not groaning. They're not trying to push some peaches out. You know what I'm saying? They're like, peaches come. Oh, my God, I got to push those peaches out. Come on now. I don't hear no noises coming from that peach tree all year long. Come on now. Why? Because it's such a natural process. As long, Jesus said, listen, I, my father owns the vineyard. I am the vine. You're the branches that have been engrafted into the vine. And as long as you stay, come on, in me, come on, abiding in my presence and my words. Are in, he says, you, my, your heart will literally, by the very, the very natural byproduct of that, your heart will begin to mirror your father's heart. His desires will become your desires desires his wishes will become your wishes his dreams for your life will become your dreams for your life and that's when he says whatsoever you desire when you pray go ahead and ask for it now and my father will give it to you as you ask it in my name that he may be glorified in the earth come on now so the context of fruit bearing in john chapter 15 is answered prayers come on now so he wants he wants your prayers to be answered you notice that, did, you, did you notice that Jesus never one time ever taught about what to do when your prayers aren't answered? <laughs> not one time. He didn't spend one sentence, not one word, not one teaching. He never taught on unanswered prayers. Why? Because he had all his prayers answered. Come on, something. Come on, somebody. And there was no such thing as unanswered prayer in the life of Jesus. Come on. So he said, listen, I came to illustrate to you how you can live. Come on, are you listening to me? We can actually live seeing every prayer answered. Come on, we don't need to sit down. Come on now and try, oh my God, why isn't this being answered? No, no, no. We need to come to that place. Come on now. Stop throwing God under the bus. Come on now. Stop throwing it. Come on. It is, he paid the price. Come on, he all, it's yours. Come on now. He made the provision. It's all yours. He purchased it for you. Now, Isaiah says, and if, come on, if he didn't want you to have it, he should have never purchased it in the first place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come on now. I like to illustrate it like this. Come on, let's say that you went and bought a TV, a 70-inch TV. Come on now, one bigger than this here. Come on now, you paid like $2,000, whatever they cost nowadays, right? And uh, you took it home and used it for five years and then brought it back to the store and said, I, I want to return this and get my money back. Come on now. And they're like, wait a minute, aren't you the guy that came in here five years ago? Come on, I paid $2,000 cash for that TV and returned it. You purchased it, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't come back and not purchase something you purchased. Hello? Come on now. You cannot do that. Once you purchase it, it's yours. If you didn't want the TV, you should have never purchased it in the first place. But how many sons and daughters of God will have come up to me and say, Well, mm, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said he's decided he's not going to heal my body. And I tell him straight out, no, that's a lie. Jesus purchased your healing, come on, by taking, come on now, the stripes upon his back. If he did not want to heal you, he should have never purchased your healing in the first place. 
So he's never going to come to you. He's never. Any voice that says that to you, either it's your carnal, fleshly mind, or it's a demon speaking to you, come on, or some other carnal, or it's just a lack of ignorance. My people perish because of ignorance concerning my word and my promises. That's what the word of God says. They literally don't experience the fullness of that which I have. Come on, if he didn't want to give it to you, he should have never bought it for you in the first place. But once he purchased it, he cannot return it. So he's not going to come back to you and say, well, I decided not. I know I purchased this healing for you. It would be just as ridiculous. Come on, did he not purchase, come on now, the forgiveness of your sins? <laughs> yeah, Psalm 103. Come on now, says he forgives all of your iniquities and heals all of your diseases. And David says, so you need to remember these are the benefits of the covenant package right here. Come on now. All diseases healed, all iniquities healed. So in Psalm, you would never buy into, well, the Lord just spoke to me and he says, well, he's not going to forgive me of this particular sin that I committed this last week here. I know I asked him, but he said, no, sorry, no can do. Come on now. No. You would like laugh him to scorn. Come on, say, now, that is ridiculous, man. God, your, your father would never, ever say anything like that. And he would never say, oh, no, the Lord gave this to me to make me a better Christian. He does not need to give you that which belongs to the curse. Come on, that's all under the curse. He said to make you a better Christian. He doesn't do things like that. It's the word that prunes us. It's his word that cleans us. It isn't what he paid the price, come on, to deliver us and to set us free. Come on, now circumstances like Jonah being in the well awakens us. It was Jonah that was running from the voice of his word. Come on now. And once, come on, he's in the belly of a whale. It awakened him and said, maybe there's somebody who has a better solution than I do. Come on now. And now he's willing to heed and listen to the voice come on of the word and his voice is what pruned Jonah and cleansed Jonah come on now and caused him to be able now to move into the future purified by the word of God so it's not circumstances that cleanse us it's the word of this is what Jesus taught in John chapter 15 so it's so important that we begin to really really understand that because anything that you give virtue to you give permission to exist in your life. Let me say that again. Any name, any virtuous name that you give, if you give sickness, cancer is evil. It is not of God. But every time you say, well, God gave me this cancer to make me a better Christian, you have given it a virtuous title, a virtuous word, a virtuous name. And when you've done that, you have given it permission to stay in your life. Yeah, I want you to think about that. Every time you give virtue to something like that, you literally give it permission to stay in your life. Because now it has power. When you give it, give it a beautiful name. Well, every time you say something like that, you would not say, well, the Lord made me an alcoholic to make me a better Christian. But how many people will say, God gave me this cancer to make me a better Christian? No, the, the, the whole thing really gets me, uh, Pastor Tim, is when people say that to me, and then they, they go to the doctor to get rid of the, the, the cancer. If God gave you the cancer, come on now, to make you a better Christian, stop going to the doctor. Stop taking medicine and just stay sick. Come on now, because the longer you're sick, the better you're going to be a Christian. Come on now. Come on. How stupid. That is stupidity on steroids. Come on now. 
the spirit of stupid right there. And yet I hear Christians talk this way, buy, buy into this thing, and they never really thought about this. Come on now. It's, it's, it's popular in teaching, but you cannot find it in the Bible. You cannot find it in the Gospels. You cannot find it in the life of Jesus. Come on. If he one time said, I'm sorry, this sickness is the one my father gave you. I cannot do anything about it. Not one time did Jesus ever say anything like that, and not one time did he ever pray, is this one, Father, do you want this person to say six, or do you want to heal them? He never prayed anything like that. He knew that he knew that he knew. And so my point is here, we got to understand, as a legislative assembly, we've got to be able to decree the Word of God, but you don't know unless you understand what the Word of God says concerning what you possess in Christ Jesus. So it's so important. Number one, so he says, return to the stronghold, right? Return to the stronghold right here. And then he says, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare to you, saith the Lord, I'm about to restore double prosperity back unto you. Ooh, prisoners of hope. Faith gives substance to the things that you are hoping for. So if you don't have any hope, come on now, I... I any area of your life that you have no hope in tells me that you're under the influence of a lie. When I ask people after 33 years of pastoring, I said, well, how's this situation going on your life? And they'll say, that's pretty good. I said, well, how about this area of your life? And they said, I don't want to talk about it. When they say that to me, I know that I know that I know that they've lost hope for that area of their life. And the reason they've lost hope is because they're under the lying influence of the liar. And they've bought into that, and they've given power to that now, and now hope begins to dissipate. And now that will take place now. If, you're, if there's no hope for the future, because hope is only about the future, you have no faith. Faith is all about the present tense. Faith is the power that changes things in your life. But faith only works in the present tense if hope is strong for the future. And so faith cannot be empowered to change what's going on around you unless hope, come on, and hope is not wishing for something. I hope it don't rain tomorrow. I hope, come on now, you know, whatever. I hope I get some really great presents for Christmas kind of thing. That's not hope. That's wishing. Mm, that's, that's, just, that's just humanistic wishing. That's all that is. Biblical hope is a spirit of expectation concerning that, an excited expectation that something, about, something good is about to happen in your life. That's biblical hope. Come on now. When it says that Abraham hoped when he had no hope in the natural, he had a, an excited expectation still that something good, I don't know when it's going to happen. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen next week or next year. I don't know when, but I just know, come on now, that it is going to happen. Come on now. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So hope, hope, you got to be a prisoner of hope. That means that no matter what happens in your life, come on, it's like you're locked in a prison called hope. You're like pulling around a ball and chain called hope. What it means is that no matter what takes place in your life, you can't get away from having hope in your life. Come on now. And that's why Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 6 that hope is the anchor of your soul that keeps you strong in the midst of the storm. Because so we have to be prisoners of hope. And he says once you, and come on now, once that is established in your life, he says what takes place is now, now you're ready 
to actually believe the word of the Lord, which says, I'm going to restore double back unto you. Come on now. So I want you to hear that because the Holy Spirit just really, really quickened that. And he says now in the next verse, for I have, I have bent Judah for myself as a bow and filled the bow with Ephraim as my arrow. Judah means praise. Ephraim means double strength, double fruitfulness, double blessing. He says, get, get, get the prophetic language that your father is releasing here. The prophetic language is, he says that praise that comes out of your mouth is like a bow. And the arrows that are tied to the bow, double strength, double favor, double blessing, double fruitfulness, double prosperity is tied to the praise that you're able to release out of your life. So this promise of double, come on now, the Bible says the double portion belongs to the firstborn. The Bible says in the New Testament, Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, and you are in Christ. So therefore, you are the firstborn. Therefore, the double blessing, the double favor, the double provision, the double prosperity belongs to you. Come on now. It's your possession. It is yours. You, don't gotta, you just got to believe it. Come on now. You got to believe it. But he says it's released into your life. He said, I have strategically and through my wisdom tied the mouth that's released from your praise. Come on now. The praise that's released from your mouth, excuse me, is tied to that. So if you can't praise me in the midst of the storm, see, anybody can praise him after the breakthrough takes place. It's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you praising God before the breakthrough. Come on now. Why? Because praise, praise, just like when the natural sun shines on the earth, and the moisture or the dew that's on the ground is evaporated by the sunlight. It literally, it literally rises from the ground and goes into the atmosphere and forms a cloud and rains down. <clears throat> the prophets teach that that's how the reign of the Spirit takes place. He says, when the sun the S-O-N. Come on, when the light of His presence shines down on you, the river, the water, come on now, now on the inside of you, when the rains, when you begin to praise, you are literally releasing vapors of praise. Vapors of, come on, out of your spirit, come on now, out of your, come on, you're listening now, Mm, right there, right there. Vapors, vapors begin to arise and they begin to form a spiritual cloud over your life to rain down upon you. So come on. So, so it isn't about, again, well, I just, oh Lord, rain your spirit down, rain the blessing down on me. He said, no, 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 it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen. You don't just, you can't just sit in your, come on now, in your bedroom and expect it to slap you upside the head and just, it doesn't happen. You've got to be intentional about this thing. You've got to begin to praise me. Come on now. Praise me, the bow. You've got to be, realize that praise is the bow. Judah is the bow. And when you begin to praise me, come on now, what happens is the vapors of your praise ascend 
into the atmosphere, into the spiritual atmosphere, and it begins to form clouds, and then I begin to rain my blessing down upon you. And so that's why he says here, listen now, in, in uh, chapter 10, verse 1, ask of the Lord for the rain in the time of the latter rain or the spirit or the spring rain. Come on now. It is the Lord who makes the lightnings which usher in the rain and give men showers and grass to everyone in the field. Again, so a natural thing talking about a spiritual thing. Come on now. He says, if you come on, ask the Lord, begin to, you begin to praise him. You begin to praise him before the answer takes place, before the breakthrough, before the double blessing comes, you got to praise him. Come on and let, come on now, your vapors of praise ascend into the heavens let it form clouds over your life and begin to rain down come on upon your life just begin to praise him begin to worship him another way of phrasing it is in the book of revelation in chapter 5 and chapter 7 it talks about these bowls in heaven and uh, it talks about, I have a book that I've, I've read portions of up in my library. It's called The Tipping Point, written by Malcolm Gladwell. And he talks about, and when, he, when one day he was in, I think it was Brooklyn, New York, and he was just, uh, uh, he, he took notice uh, of uh, this, 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 this man's writing about it, but he's, he's telling the story about how this man um, literally, uh, uh, who was he was a um, in charge of a like a modeling thing kind of thing right and so what he did was he he was in like kind of like this real trendy place where young people were hanging out kind of thing and and uh, and he saw that they were wearing hush puppies uh, hush puppies when I, hush puppies were big back in the 70s when I was a teenager okay so this is like years and years later to the point where the, the, the hush puppy company was literally on the verge of going bankrupt they were literally at one time were selling millions and millions of dollars worth they were selling hardly anything but this guy who owned this this uh, magazine and stuff like that it does this shooting for that magazine kind of thing, he saw the, that these young people were wearing that and he asked them where they got that and they were actually getting them from secondhand stores because you really couldn't buy them really anymore in stores so stores weren't selling them that's how unpopular but he saw that this young generation were, were using it and so he what he did was he took his next photo shoot for his magazine he had the models wear hush puppies and when that photo shoot came out it literally began to spread like wildfire and it caused a tipping point to take place where now all, that whole young generation went out and bought hush puppies. Come on. Come on now. And that company went from literally bankruptcy to there was like, I think, two brothers that owned it. And they, came, they became almost billionaires in a matter of a couple of years. All because one man saw a company of young people wearing hush and put it in his magazine and caused a tipping point to take place. And now everybody wants them. Come on, are you listening to me? Come on, that, that, and that's what a tipping point is. And, uh, and so the Bible says that these bowls in heaven, they're being filled up. Come on, with, pr with prayers of the saints, it says. But that word prayer is actually worship, prayer, decrees, 
and prayer. So it isn't just something about getting down on your knees and make it a prayer. He's talking about your praise, your worship, your prophetic decrees. Come on now. Your praying, your intercession. It's all going into this bowl into heaven. And he says when these bowls in Revelation 7 are filled up, it says that the angel of the Lord takes the, the, takes the fire from the altar and purifies the praise and the worship, and it comes to the place where it's so full that it literally begins to tip. And all of it, now thunderings and lightnings begin to happen in the earth realm. It's speaking prophetically of the, the manifestation of the power and the blessing and the promises of God because somebody, come on, praised God, worshiped God. Come on now. I hold the conviction that every one of us have a bowl in heaven. Come on. Every family has a bowl in heaven. Every church has a bowl in heaven. Come on now. Every nation has a bowl in heaven. And then those bowls need to be filled up. They need to come to a place and all it takes is one drop and it begins to overflow. If they get so filled right to the top, and it takes one last drop, hits it, and boom, everything pours out right there. So it isn't, I want you to see that, the, the illustration is, it isn't, again, there's this strong, bold, courageous, enduring faith. Praying, come on, prayers of faith that endure. It isn't like, well, I, you look back and say, oh, it was one magical prayer that made it all happen. No, he's saying that because you didn't give up, come on now, and you kept on praying, and you had some shameless persistence about you, and you kept on praising, and you kept on worshiping, and you kept on interceding, and you kept on taking the prophetic promises that God gave you, and you kept on prophesying them over your life, that it came to a place where those bowls became so so full that there was a day in your life that come on now that there was one praise come on now there was one prayer that caused the tipping point come on now and the bowls begin to tip over and the manifestation began to take place in your life come on now uh, so i want to encourage you come on now I want to, you're getting this tonight. Are you, it could, come on now. It could be just, it could take just one more prayer. Come on, one more praise, one more worship, one more thanksgiving. Could be, come on now. That which tips the bowl in your heaven. Come on now. So I want to encourage you. Don't give up tonight. Come on now. You got to, come on, you know, the double blessing, Ephraim, is tied to your praise. Come on now. So you got to praise him and praise him and decree and pray and intercede and not give up. Come on. It could be just one more prayer. It could be just one more praise. It could be just one more thank you, Jesus. Come on now. And the bowls begin to tip in your life. And everything begins to manifest for the glory of God. Whew, come on now. I want to encourage you. Come on. This is the word of the Lord. Come on now. We got, it's the, again, we, 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 we get excited about the, the outcome, the manifestation. Come on now. Jesus, as wonderful as that all that is, and he gets glory out of that, he gets more glory and more joy out of walking with you arm in arm in the journey to the fulfillment. So it isn't about just trying to make it happen real fast. It's about, come on, learning, growing, come on, becoming, developing character in our lives so that at the end, come on now, not only do we have the outcome, we have the manifestation, but we got the character of Jesus too. Faith plus, come on, patience. 
patient endurance. Patient endurance. Patient endurance. Mm. Hand me that, that, that green tape series right there, the green one, the green one, the green one. Yeah, thanks, Bear. I think that's it right there. In this one, this tape series, I, do, I teach five, uh, five hours on the truth about faith and patience. I, I, I give you six different Greek definitions for the one word patience in the Bible. There's six different definitions that the Bible uses. One of them is to maintain composure. Faith and your ability to maintain composure causes you to inherit the promise. Sometimes that requires waiting. Sometimes it doesn't. Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat in the midst of a hurricane storm. They all thought they were going to die. They woke Jesus up. Jesus got up in the boat, did not freak out, but maintained his composure. Because patience is all about controlling the internal atmosphere. Your soul. Come on now. Mm, faith changes the external atmosphere. But the external atmosphere cannot be shifted with words of faith until the internal atmosphere has been shifted, come on now, through the power of patience or the power of understanding how to maintain internal composure. Because you cannot speak words of faith freaking out in the midst of the storm that's why they couldn't that's why they couldn't jesus actually got upset with them and said how come you didn't do anything about the storm where is your faith they didn't have any faith to speak to the storm because they didn't have any ability to maintain internal composure so when this storm on the inside is under control and now you're able to stand up in the midst of what's happening around you. Now you can genuinely speak words of faith. Come on. You're not just speaking the word of God out of fear that something's going to happen. But you're speaking out of genuine confidence and boldness and courage. Come on. Knowing that something really is going to happen. Come on now. And now you stand up. And now when the internal and the external come into agreement. Come on now. Agreement. Power is released, and everything begins to shift for you. Yeah, come on, somebody is right. That's how, so that's why, come on now, it says that the patriarchs inherited the promise through faith and patience. Sometimes you have to maintain your composure over a certain season. Sometimes, it, how long did Jesus wait? Yeah, I don't know, maybe about 60 seconds. So he was able because he lived in that atmosphere. He didn't have to work it up. He didn't have to, didn't lose it and then get it and then lose it and then get it. Like, so he's telling us, because we've all been done that, right? Come on. I guess I'm the only one. Come on now. And uh, I don't see nobody being honest here. And, uh, but anyway, so I want to encourage us here. This word, let, let's let that take place. Now, I released that the very first time, I mean, at the church there. I think it was on May 31st, okay? Real, I just kind of briefly released that. And then towards the end of the service, and I just want to share this with you. Um, at the end of the service, I, uh, Pastor Doug said, listen, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave you a word. So I got up and I began just to share prophetically. And all of a sudden, I just began to weep. 
weep, just weep, really. Just, I, felt a I could feel my flesh feeling a little em embarrassed. As I stood there before the congregation just weeping. And, uh, but what I was feeling was I was feeling the heart of God. And uh, most of us have never seen a weeping prophet before. It's one thing to declare the word of the Lord. It's another thing to display the heart of the Lord at the same time. And as I was weeping before the Lord and declaring, I saw in the spirit, I said that starting tomorrow, June 1st, that God was going to do a work in us and prepare us. Because I saw in the realm of the spirit, I saw that at the end of June, the end of this first six months, that God was going to do something. And the phrase came out of me, and I don't, and I, the phrase came out, that I heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm about to play my trump card. And I don't know if, the, uh, don't, don't, don't jump to any conclusion that that means anything about Donald Trump. Uh, it may, it may not. I don't, I have no idea what that phrase means. All I know is that I don't know how that's going to look, when it, but all I know that God is about to do something to shift everything in this nation. Come on now. Yeah. Come on now. And I'm talking, that's, that's only in a few days. So I don't know if that's going to be like on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know what that is going to look like. I don't pretend to know things like that. All I know is where I hear and then I begin to say it over. And so I wanted just to say that. But again, the whole month, I hope you know, that we've just been, it's so important that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that he can work through us and work for us. Right? Amen. Because before he comes for us, he's coming through us. And so we've got, uh, and the, the longer we fight that, the longer we, de we delay that. So, uh, Father, I just pray for each and every one of us here tonight in the name of Jesus. I just thank you for your word, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. Your word is powerful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, you just take your word and may it be quickened to our hearts, I pray. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We thank you so much for joining us today. We are believing that your faith in God has increased as you have listened to this broadcast. You can learn more about the ministry of Christ through Dr. Daniel Sherstad at www.dansherstadministries.com. Please visit our website to listen to additional teachings, to check for upcoming events, and to find out how to follow us on other social media platforms. As mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast, we are so excited to be moving into a new phase in our ministry to those in the Hollywood area and the entertainment industry. If you are interested in joining us on September 19th, please register at our website. Remember, God is always there for you, and he has made the way to literally walk with him and to know his love through the Lord Jesus Christ.